Amidst the COVID-19 outbreak, everyday life has changed and will continue to change for our tribal communities, often with little notice. If you or someone you know is dealing with a crisis or if you just need someone to talk to, our free 24-7 confidential crisis support text line is now available. Text UNKPATI to 741-741. That's H-U-N-K-P-A-T-I to 741-741. Don't wait until it's too late. Help and support is available 24-7. Brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. So that the people may live. The Circle. Produced by Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. This is tribal sovereignty. It's our children's future. It's what our ancestors and our elders fought for. It's what we continue to fight for today. So that our people may live. This is The Circle. My name is Ray Rowland. I am the Community Engagement Coordinator here at the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board, along with Brandon Ekafi, our Communications Director. And we're going to be bringing you weekly updates from the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and giving the public an inside look as to how the Health Board operates and the type of care and services we provide throughout the Great Plains Tribal Community. So a a little bit of a history, uh, the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board is a South Dakota nonprofit corporation with the status of of tribal organization. So for over the 30 uh, past years, the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board have operated several projects and programs ranging from behavioral health to recovery, community health, epidemiology, maternal and child health, as well as continued healthcare training and education. And uh, So Brandon, explain to those who may not be familiar with the health board a little bit about what it is that we do here. Sure. You know, today the health board is kind of a one-stop shop for indigenous tribal public health, direct care at the Oate Health Center, tribal education. Um, You know, we house uh, 27 different grant programs that fulfill public health needs on the plains. Um, Emergency Operations Center, the We Are Warriors Emergency Operations Center that was set up during COVID um, in those initial months where we didn't know what was going to happen, you know, um, Health Board was able to establish that um, fairly quickly. And, you know, Health Board also houses one of 12 tribally run epidemiology centers in, in the nation, you know, so um, we're healthcare advocacy, you know, we're, you know, we're there directly serving in the community, we're helping to advise tribal leaders on upcoming issues, upcoming topics, um, you know, we, we kind of try to hit on everything when it comes to tribal health care and, and, and health care issues facing our people on the plains and, and really, you know, Native people nationwide. One of the, and that gives, gives me a reminder too, is when I came in, I, I didn't really know what it was and I should have. What Kind of explain to us what epidemiology is. Oh, sure. You know, over the last, you know, year or, you know, throughout the pandemic, that term epidemiology is you know, been floated around through the news and, you know, and everywhere else, you know, you know, what is, what are the epidemiologists saying about the, the virus, you know, so here, um, epidemiology center, um, manages a, a number of programs, um, you know, whether it be colorectal cancer, um, education, um, whether it be maternal child health education, um, you know, whether it be providing data, collecting data about health issues on the plains, um, but, you know, in, in light of the recent and you know, the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, um, the Epidemiology Center has really served as a knowledgeable and credible voice on 
you know, the tracking the virus, um, you know, seeing what kind of impact it has on our communities um, and developing policies to help tribal nations and um, tribal programs, you know, operate during these times. You know, early on, you know, we, we provided guidance to schools. Um, we provided um, know-how, knowledge, you know, what's the best practices for keeping your office safe? You know, should you be working from home? All those things that, that we kind of see produced by non-tribal entities um, and often, you know, the information that comes from them skips over our people. You know, having a epidemiology center, you know, run by tribal organizations, you know, who can respond to the needs of tribes at, at a call is important. You know, we, we've had a, we've been enjoying spending time with um, OST Vice President Alicia Musso. We have two epidemiologists on board um, who meet with um, Vice President and, and her staff to help explain, you know, issues related to COVID. Um, weekly and you know that's just one of the few things that we've done to to respond and you know one of the the roles that epidemiology center had always fulfilled but just hadn't always gotten a lot of attention and and now that it's happening you know they're 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 front and center but they're prepared for it and and ready to go and what i know one of ours of course here in rapid city and in the oglala sioux tribe and others but specifically what tribes currently do we serve and what kind of uh, services do we offer in what capacity? Sure. We, you know, we service 17 different tribal nations in one um, IHS service unit. So it ends up being 18 tribal communities that we provide support to. Um, tribal leaders from those 18 communities make up the board of directors. So they, you know, they're the ultimate, you know, they call the shots for the org and they oversee and, and provide um, governance and, and, and guidance and you know, direction for, for the health board. Um, but, you know, whether that would be Pine Ridge, Ogala, Cheyenne River, Rosebud, um, Mandan, Hidatsa, you know, South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, you know, is where our tribes come from. And, and, you know, we kind of provide health advocacy or we do provide health advocacy to all them tribes. And so not only has the, the health board kind of made, you know, significant strides and improved health care throughout Indian country, it's also brought numerous career and employment opportunities to the, is it 17 and then the one service unit that, that is offered to the tribal nations that we're, we're servicing. So what kind of impact has Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board had on the workforce within those communities that we serve? You know, the, the health board um, is made up, you know, majority of, of, of tribal citizens. You know, um, we have a, a large segment that comes from the Oglala Sioux Tribe. Um, you know, I mean, from Rosebud, um, Chichangu Nation, to Cheyenne River, um, those kind of primarily make up about 90% of our staffing and of our Native American staffing. And 10%, the remaining 10% come from other tribal nations across the country who, you know, ended up in Rapid City for whatever reason, or, you know, were recruited by the organization, or who wanted to play an active role in improving healthcare on the plains. And, you know, because of our mission and because of the work we've been doing over the last, you know, 18 months, we, we've managed to, to recruit and, and, and attract, you know, a lot of really talented, highly educated, highly motivated tribal citizens. And, you know, it's, that's really the strength of the organization is the talent that the staff has and their commitment to the issues that we're facing. And, you know, and, and going forward, you know, having all these people working on our behalf and working on behalf of our people is only a positive. Yeah, and one of the most recent projects that, that has been the most talked about 
is what has been called the 638 contract. Like I've always heard this term 638, 638, and you know everybody's is talking about it, which allows basically the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board to operate the former Susan Health Clinic in Rapid City. So tell us a little bit more about what a 638 actually is and how the Oyate Health Center came about. Sure, you know, when you think about 638 contracting it, it's relatively a new concept to the Northern Plains. You know, I mean, every now and then you see tribal um, nations, 638 smaller programs, um, but really engaging and saying, look, we want a 638, a whole entire healthcare system is is an endeavor that, that that's a challenge and also kind of a, a scary thought for, for, for some people in our community. Um, essentially what, what 638 contracting is, is it allows tribal nations to dictate how resources allocated to them by Congress, allocated to them by the federal government, owed to them through treaty, to, to decide how to spend them resources or how to allocate those resources, how to use those resources. In the past, um, tribes have um, on the Northern Plains have really relied on the Indian Health Service to provide health care, to provide the services, to manage the services. And, you know, IHS is a long-standing um, federal program um, that has had its ups and downs and um, um, has had certain struggles here in, in Rapid City. And around um, 2010 was kind of the tipping point. Um, the Dorgan report came on, um, was, was produced by Congress that looked at some of the deficiencies in IHS. Um, at the time um, and, and, and leading into the next few years after that, the Rapid City Service Unit um, operated by Indian Health Service was seeing a reduction in services. Um, the emergency room was taken away. Um, other services were, were starting to be tracked back, rolled back. And um, Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, the Oglala Sioux Tribe, and at the time the Rosebud Sioux Tribe essentially had enough. You know, they, they wanted to see a change for the community, the community approached them, say, hey, you, we need you as tribal leaders to do something to help improve our health care. And that's when the idea or the, 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 the notion of, of tribes taking control of them resources and, and spending them in a way that could benefit the community really started to gain momentum. And, you know, in the years following, um, after some, some research conducted by the tribes, um, the health board was approached um, to ask to see if, if they would be willing to, or if they had the capacity to manage the Rapid City Service Unit on behalf of the tribes, should they 638 the, the resources. Um, and what that meant is that, you know, IHS would be removed as the primary care provider and a tribally run, tribally managed, tribally staffed organization would come in and take charge and improve the healthcare system here in Rapid City. Um, and you know, that was something that the health board recognized that they could do. They had a lot of know-how, um, a lot of um, support from the tribes to, to move forward with that. And that's essentially where, where it got started. Um, 2019, the Oyate Health Center opened its doors. Um, and from there on, you know, we, we've seen steady improvements. We've seen um, new services added, expansions of services, um, happy customers, you know, happy relatives who come in and get care and are seen by someone who, who looks like them, can relate to them, oftentimes know them personally, and um, are cared for by, by doctors and, and, and I guess, um, administration who, who answer to other tribal community members who, who hold them accountable and 
demand a higher standard of care and because of their willingness to, to, to work under them conditions and the willingness of the tribes to say, you know, we want something different, we're starting to see a lot of positive things happen up there. So the idea that tribes could, in a sense, govern themselves is not a new idea. So there's proof of this working all across Indian country. And so when it, not just when it comes to healthcare, but also contributing to like economic and social advancement. So in a sense, 638, if I'm understanding it correctly, is us kind of getting rid of the middleman, middleman being the BIA, IHS and the federal government. Right. You know, absolutely. You know, what what we've seen, you know, is, you know, Congress um, allocates money, you know, to, to fulfill those those treaty obligations of providing health care. And what happens is, you know, it has to go through this office and then it goes through the regional office and then it trickles down to the direct care providers at whatever facility that they're at. And there's been a lot of, you know, when you go through those multiple levels of bureaucracy, a few things happen. Resources are, are, are used um, not on care. Resources are not, you know, directly making it to the patient. Um, and, and, and then going back in the other direction, you know, when the community wants change or the community wants accountability for an organization, how do they get that when the ultimate decision maker is all the way in Washington, D.C.? You know, one of the advantages of, of having, you know, tribally run facility is, you know, and, and tribally managed facility is that, you know, at any time, you know, people can give us a call and you're going to speak to someone like me or someone like you. And there's a real high likelihood that someone within the organization actually knows the patient or actually knows the person who's taking advantage of that service. And having that connection with your patients, having that connection with people who utilize the services that, that we're all trying to improve, you know, only benefits the organization and benefits the patient for being able to speak out and, you know, and, and have a say in what their healthcare looks like. The health board has, has from the beginning, looked at ways to, to create community involvement, um, looked at ways to help patients feel like this is their program because it is. You know, you know, we're managing right. the resources on behalf of the tribe, but in reality, those resources belong to the people. So there's an immense responsibility on the organization to do things right when you know that you're working on behalf of the people. And I don't think that, you know, and I try not to speak for federal entities or, you know, organizations that are non-tribal who serve our communities, but when you're, you know, providing services to people that you care about, people that you love, people that you interact each day. For me, you know, people that I coach, you know, kids that mm -hmm. I coach, you know, it, it creates a level of accountability that just can't be replicated when you're speaking to uh, a large organization or a large bureaucracy when you're thinking in the federal sense that really, you know, doesn't necessarily have a personal connection to that individual. Right. And, and some of the, the confusion, too, especially up in here in Rapid City, when, when someone goes up to the old Susan, you have IHS, which is on the second floor, and then OHC, the rest. So kind of tell us the differences between IHS and OHC. Sure. Um, leading up to the transition, um, there were three tribes who were kind of the driving force behind it. Um, Pine Ridge, Ola Sioux Tribe, Cheyenne River, and the Rosebud Sioux Tribe. And as the the deadline approached, or I guess the, the time for the transition to take place approached, Rosebud felt that, you know, there wasn't, they didn't necessarily have the same, the right information, or they just didn't feel comfortable moving forward with the project. And so they decided to, to step away, you know, and allow the Oglala Sioux Tribe and the Shine River Sioux Tribe to move forward while they um, 
prefer to stay with the Indian Health Service. And anyhow, this is, you know, one of the kind of confusing points about how their absentee service unit works is that each of these three tribes have a percentage of shares, which essentially becomes down to a percentage of kind of decision-making power within that service unit. Um, and, and that's based off of user population. Um, Ogallala Sioux Tribe um, essentially has about 60% of the shares. Um, Cheyenne River and um, Rosebud end up splitting about, you know, the, the about 20% a piece somewhere within that range, kind of roughly approximately, and 10% to um, tribes who are not from the region. And, and, um, the federal government essentially calls it other. You know, we don't want to call it other. We know right. that it's, you know, as other tribal communities, tribal citizens who, who lived in Rapid City, many for many generations. Right. But, you know, at the time, um, Rosebud made a decision that they weren't comfortable moving forward with the 638 contract um, along with the other two tribes. And the idea going into this was that it was going to be 100%. All the tribes were willing to, you know, move forward with 638. And when Rosebud backed out, you know, it kind of created a, a, a dilemma that, um, that their percentage of shares were going to stay with the Indian Health Service, whereas Cheyenne River, Ogasu Tribe, and the percentage of other was moving forward with a 638 and, 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 and asking the health board to manage those resources to conduct care, the run the care program up here in Rapid City. And as a result, um, there had to be uh, a compromise or there had to be, you know, a, a situation worked out that that allowed for Rosebud to stay with Indian Health Service and allowed, still allowed for the other tribes to exercise their tribal sovereignty by assuming these resources and managing it on their behalf, on the behalf of their citizens. And the decision or the compromise that came to was that Indian Health Service was going to continue to operate a clinic on the second floor um, of the Susan building up there. The first and third floor um, in the other buildings would move forward into the 638 process under the Oyate Health Center, under the Great Plains Tribal Leaders House Board, on behalf of the tribes. And so currently up at Tucson, um, there's two entities operating. One is the second floor Indian Health Service, and the remainder, first, third floor, is the Oyate Health Center, um, managed by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board on behalf of the tribes. So, you know, and, you know, one of the big misconceptions that, you know, well, all this happens, you know, if this, since because of this happened, Rosebud, Rosebud tribal citizens can only use the second floor. And, and, and that's just not true. Um, I think that um, we provided you with some numbers of, of the percentage of patients who... Something like 21,000. 21,000 um, users of the Oyate Health Center right now. About 20% of those users are from the, the Rosebud Sioux tribe, you know. And so um, off the head, you know, 20% of... 20,000, you know, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 patients, somewhere, you know, someone can correct my math, but, you know, that's a lot of tribal members who are, you know, using our facility, um, a lot of tribal members who are really happy with, with the services, and, and, and the number of users is continuing to grow, and as an organization, we look at that, you know, wow, you know, we have, our user population is going up, you know, what is that a sign of, you know, when there's two options there, there's a you know, many really, when you think about it, there's plenty of options. There's plenty of options, you know, people in Rapid City, those with insurance, you know, go to other places, tribal citizens, you know, they can go to the first floor to see us, to, to register at the Yachty House Center, or they could decide to stick with IHS. But when that's the case, and we see our numbers continually rising, 
you know, it's a sign that we're doing something right. You know, that sure. care is improving, that things are getting better, that people want to come, people, you know, like the providers that they're seeing. And, you know, there's always going to be, you know, missteps and, and people who, who have bad experiences. But, you know, when people are sick and people are suffering, you know, you, you, you take it with a grain of salt that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you know, sometimes your people are accountable and sometimes, you know, it's something else that's happening. And we try to balance that um, in communications and, and, and PR for an organization like that. We really try to you know, approach those those issues with compassion and, and caring and, and empathy and, you know, try to put ourselves in the shoes of the people who are having these hardships. But when we see the numbers going up, we see the user population going up. We see um, tribal citizens from Pine Ridge, Cheyenne River, Rosebud, you know, Lower Brule, Crow Creek, all over, you know, they, they come to our facility and, and, and they leave happy for, you know, 99% of the time. and and you know, it's only going to get better. Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center are proud to employ some of the best and brightest in all of Indian country. Currently, the health board employs over 150 tribal citizens from the Oglala Sioux Tribe, Cheyenne River, Rosebud, and other tribal nations, with 21,000 active patients being serviced between them. Our goal is to work together to provide quality, accessible health care for our relatives across the Great Plains so that our people may live. For more information on our career and education opportunities, contact the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board at 605-721-1922 or go to our website at gptchb.org. So kind of explain the process too. So you know, a lot of our relatives travel to Rapid City for various reasons, powwows, shopping, um, when they are here and they, you know, are needing to be seen, can they just walk into the urgent care? Kind of, what is the process that they would have to go through to be seen and, and feel like? You know, one of the things about the Indian Health Service and and the same with the Oyate Health Center is that you know if you're an enrolled citizen of a tribal nation, you will not be turned around. You know, um, people you know like to sometimes circulate rumors. You know, they oh they got to go pay a copay or no, we are told to go to the second right. floor, yeah. and the truth is, you know, that isn't happening. You know, you know, we, we see everyone who comes in the doors. Um, everyone's eligible for direct care there on the on the compound up there. Um, we're continuing to expand services. Um, so, you know, anything new, there's going to be a lot of misconceptions and, and confusion. And, and, and that's kind of our role as, you know, with this radio show and our role as, as, as communicators to, to help address some of the myths and help address some of the rumors and, you know, hopefully coming on. Keely and producing this podcast once a week, you know, we can start to beat back some of those, you know, some of those half-truth, mistruths, and, you know, sometimes right. blatant misinformation. But, you know, that, that's all part of, of what we see, you know, when we take on large projects that create change. Yeah, especially right now with the different kinds of health information that everybody is consuming on a national level, local level, there's, there's all kinds of things that get in the way of actual facts. Um, now we got a lot of construction up there that's going on. I see that there's, there's a new building coming, right? What do we have in the future for OHC, uh, specifically with the new building? You know, there's a hundred million dollar plus new facility that's going up there. And, you know, um, that will eventually house the Oyate Health Center. Um, it's been a, a facility that's a long time coming for this community in Rapid City. Um, but you know, it, the efforts to to bring that new building, you know, that those began long before the health board 
um, entered into direct care and rhapsody service unit. There's a lot of people who put a lot of work into that for decades, you know, saying, look, you know, the people in Rhapsody deserve a first-rate facility. Um, they deserve to have, you know, all the nice things that, that come with, you know, having healthcare. You know, what, what is that experience like? You know, our people deserve that. And, you know, that, that building, you know, is really going to one day be the culmination of, of a lot of people's efforts over the years to improve care for the community up here. So 2023, you know, the building's going to be wrapped up, finished, um, three times as large as the current um, Susan building, um, all new facilities. Um, you know, it's going to be something really special. Now, one of the, the new, new things that came about as soon as I got here and, and something that was really needed, I, I know that we did a, a survey of the Pennington County, our Rapid City area, uh, tribal residents, as far as what the services, you know, that they wanted or needed or, you know, wanted to see be added as a part of something that both IHS, which they don't currently offer, but you guys now offer behavioral health. Is that right? 2019, the health board decided to conduct what they call a community needs assessment. Um, it was a healthcare based survey, essentially scientifically, um, I guess what scientifically significant, um, statistically significant, you know, it, was, right. it, it, it hit all the numbers that it was required to, you know, it was put together in a, in a way that was meant to, to capture correct answers or accurate answers or, uh, adequate assessment, I guess, of what yeah. the healthcare needs of the community in Rapid City is. You know, what did they want? You know, what did they want to see? So if the Yate Health Center is coming in um, to replace the Indian Health Service and the people get a say, what is it that the people really want to see in their healthcare facility or in their healthcare program? And so the survey went out, you know, and Black Hills Powwow, Alan I online, um, use the local media outlet, use our own website, use our own social media to get it out there and, and get some answers. And, you know, some of the, the most prominent, two of the most prominent things that jumped out that this community wanted up here was an expansion of behavioral health services and expansion of, um, you know, treatment for, for addictions. Um, and the health board took that and, and really wanted it to, to drive how we created policy, you know, drive the direction of, of policies and endeavors and initiatives that we created. And running with this theme of expanding behavioral health, um, the health board pursued grant funding. They pursued um, every federal mechanism they could to, to bring in, in more money um, to help expand these resources. So we end up buying... Um, a large building on La Crosse Street in Rapid City just to house behavioral health because one of the, the obstacles facing expansion of behavioral health before the health board was space. There simply wasn't room to see patients to meet the demand at the old Susan campus um, and providers. And so for a long time, there were three providers in Rapid City meant to serve roughly 27,000 tribal citizens, if not more. And three providers in one small building couldn't meet the need. And the reason it was stuck that way was because federal money that came down to fund IHS in the past was set aside and it was a set amount, you know, and that's how it works under that federal system is a set amount of money comes down and can only be spent on certain things. Well, when the tribes decided to, to 638 the service unit up here, it opened up a whole bunch of new opportunities to pursue funding. 
you know, one of the big advantages of 638 contracting is, is you can pursue outside resources, whether that be grant funding, um, donations, um, fundraising, you know, whatever. And so the health board ended up um, acquiring a um, number of grants. There's more than five. It's like, like six or seven grants um, worth, you know, several million dollars to expand services. And in a matter of, of you know, eight months or so, if we go from three uh, behavioral health providers to um, 18, you know, and six times as many providers in, in a short amount of time, you know, um, to meet a need that's been present for decades. And you look at that, that expansion and, and how quickly that it happened and, you know, the, the motivation behind it and how it was community driven. That's one small example of what's going to continue to happen in Rapid City. You know, what's the next services we expand into? What's the um, specialty clinics that are created? So, you know, it's an exciting time to where we're going to see things happen in this community that, that haven't ever happened before. So just kind of going back to, you know, the differences between IHS and the health board. So IHS, as I understand it, they're not able to reach out and receive grants and donations right because they're a government entity or kind of how to explain how that works sure you know there's a set you know there congress allocates funding for indian health service and and that funding is further divided up to address you know specific issues really you know you get this chunk to do this program you get this chunk to do that program and because of the way the federal system works you know you're stuck with that set amount of money that's all you get and so you know Sometimes I feel bad for, for, you know, IHS workers who kind of take, take a lot of heat because, you know, they can't do certain things with their, with their funding. Well, when you go, to, you go to 638, you know, you have the freedom to move, the, move money around. You have freedom to pursue money. Um, you have freedom to apply for grants. You have, you know, just, you can, the, the cap is removed on what you can bring in to help your entity expand and improve. Um, when you look at the health board, um, for example, you know, part of that community needs assessment was saying, you know, well, our community don't have rides to the hospital. Well, so what the, the health board did was they created a, a driver service. You know, they have two drivers who help, you know, pick up patients, you know, take patients to and from services, um, make sure that they, they make their appointments. And, and when you look at that, you know, that, that serves of a number of other purposes you know when there's a missed appointment you're paying a provider to not do anything you know you're you're paying a provider to show up and not see anybody but whenever patients are making their appointments you know you're improving their health you know you're helping them to touch base with their provider um, you're able to do third-party billing that brings in resources and you know it's important that that we help our community with those types of things you know the, in addition to helping to decrease the no-show rate, you know, we divided, we created a, or acquired a, a t- patient texting service. You know, growing up in Pine Ridge, you know, I guess we didn't mm-hmm. really necessarily have texting, but, you know, yeah. you think about, you know, you know, some of our own personal experiences is with healthcare, you know, you know, I don't ever remember getting a text from my doctor, you know, no. hey, hey, Ray, come in tomorrow, you know, exactly. you got this going on, or, hey, Ray, you never to pick up your prescription. Um, you know, things like that. You know, we also did, we also, you know, during COVID and our COVID response, we did, uh, uh, we dramatically expanded our, our pharmacy mail out service. You know, we didn't want elderly people having to come into the building 
and you know be exposed so you know we can mail stuff to them um, you can we did curbside pickup for pharmacy you know it was a lot of cool things that you know when you when you watch the system growing up or you know or you utilize the system as an adult you think well, why don't they do that or why don't mm-hmm. they do this and then now that you know working for the health board and, and you know providing support to the Yate health center we're actually seeing those things happen that people have talked about for all these years and it's just you know it's it's exciting you know and it's inspiring because you know it's our people who come up with the ideas you know it's tribal citizens it's you know people that you see every day who you know it's their ideas you know it's their know-how it's their expertise being used and when you can see people in our community from our community doing these things you know it it motivates you to to help tell these stories like we're doing today right not only are we a, a health service provider we are also provide a lot of training and education talk a little bit about what kind of training and education that the Great Plains Tribal East Health Board offers with 27 different grant programs under the health board you know there's a wide spectrum of public health issues that we address you know there's a opioid response team you know um you know what kind of you know important information do we need to get out about opioids again you know community needs assessment said they needed more education more support when it came to illicit drugs or addictions you know so we have that um we have a, a section of our community behavior health department under um, tosha two heart that mm-hmm. that does um suicide intervention um, um suicide awareness um you know, actually, you know, dealing directly with the youth, um, taking them, you know, I remember last year they had um, a group of youth that, that was part of this prevention program, you know, they went out and collected traditional medicines at this time of year, you know, choke cherries and chinchasha and, you know, things like that. Um, and then you look at like, kind of like the classic public health side of things, um, smoking prevention, um, colorectal cancer um, awareness you know encouraging men to go get screened for colorectal cancer um, preventive health things um, you know and 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 then you know over the last year you know largely it's 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 been focused on covid response you know so gathering data for tribes um, is one part of the um, what the epidemiology was doing um, producing data producing public health information and then, you know, another side of the health board is doing direct response where they're taking foods out to quarantine families. Um, for a while, the health board, you know, Yachty Health Center, actually rented out a hotel. You know, so if we had a community member who came down with COVID who was living with grandma or grandpa um, or was living with, you know, someone who was compromised, their health was compromised, you know, it was a real severe danger should they contract um, the virus, you know, we were able to put them up in places where they could safely quarantine, you know, and while they were there, they were tended to by a doctor, they were provided with food, you know, provided with medicine, everything that they needed to get healthy and, and to keep the community safe. And those types of, of dramatic expansion of services at the call of a, or at the drop of a dime, you know, is a true testament or a true example of the strength of this process that we're, we're undertaking up here. So getting into COVID again, we are currently offering uh, vaccinations and testing at the lacrosse uh, site, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we've tested, you know, probably, you know, to close to 12,000 people um, in Rapid City. Um, you know, we, we provided testing to, to community members. Um, we had vaccines available right away. We still have vaccines available. Um, we we were doing incentives, you know. We got like some like a t-shirt, some cool t-shirts coming out, a lot of stickers. Um, you know, just looking for ways to encourage our community to 
come in and, and take and you know get to vaccine you know get, you know if you're sick get tested you know we did a lot to try to remove the stigma you know and yeah. you know make it okay for people to to seek care you know because you know in the middle of a global hot spot it was it was quite the ordeal you know dealing with, yeah. with covid at the time and you know when you look at the health board's response you know a lot of times we were producing information that that didn't you know jive or wasn't in line with what you know that the state was producing um with what some of the other healthcare organizations were producing that you know may or may not have been influenced by politics but we were really concerned with keeping people safe and because of our willingness to, to you know to put out really accurate really timely data it elevated the organization in the eyes of the community and when you can elevate a tribally run facility and, and it, you know it helps it helps trickle down to you know how our people are treated you know how our people are looked at in the community you know when we can perform well you know it shines a light on a lot of the positivity in our community when it's always you know so negative so again going back to kind of what the purpose of our show is and, and why they're hearing our voices right now is we want to be able to um you know give a inside look or kind of pull back the curtains and and kind of get rid of some of the stigma that's surrounding with the health board and especially OHC and, and what it is that we do here. So kind of tell us too what, what you hope that we can get out of this show as far as, you know, being a bridge between the health board and the general public. You know, the health board is, is you know, it's been around for a long time and it's done a lot of really positive work, you know, in tribal communities on behalf of tribes. You know, it, it's a regional and national influencer in public health policy um you know a lot of times you know state organizations you know elected leaders you know even from our communities look to the health board as that authority or as that knowledgeable source and you know for whatever reason you know sometimes yeah i think a lot of it had to do with with the, the tribes's decision to move forward with 638 you know it cre- it brought the health board into the spotlight and you know, anytime that happens with a large organization, you know, there's misconceptions there, you know, there, there, there's people who sometimes are resistant to change um, and people with their own, you know, personal motivations or whatever their personal issues are to, to kind of tarnish that work. And, you know, as a public health entity, uh, as, you know, a representative of a staff and a large group of people who, who, you know, put their you know, all their effort into improving the lives of the community, it's important that accurate, you know, portrayals and accurate narrative is created. And, you know, we look at Keeley Radio as the voice of the Lakota Nation. You know, we grew up, you know, you know, the voice, the voice, you know, you know, the the, Lakota Nation. And, you know, and and so it was a no brainer to partner with Keeley or, you know, to reach out to Keeley and say, hey, can you host this show? And, you know, we want to tell the truth. You know, we're two guys that grew up in Pine Ridge. You know, and you know, we're two guys who, who you have deep ties to the community and don't have any incentive to yeah to, to spin the truth or you know not not convey the truth. We all to, sat in that eight-hour IHS line, so we know what it's like. You know, and and you know, again, it's not a, about bashing IHS. You know, it's about looking at the possibilities of taking control of of tribes saying, "Look, I want to take control of my federal resources because we have people, we have the know-how." We have the desire to improve things, and that's what Oyate Health Center is. That's Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board is. You know, it's it's essentially you know it it's it's tribal sovereignty in action. You know, we always talk about you know we want to exercise our tribal sovereignty. 
well, part of exercising tribal sovereignty is exercising self-determination, is, you know, proving what we have always known, that we have the capability to do these things better than a federal government. Because when you look at, you know, the origins of the federal system, you know, the origins of BIA, of IHS, and again, it's nothing to bash the people who work there. You know, you guys work hard, you guys do do a good job. You know, I mean, it, it's just that the, sometimes the system that, you know, they're forced to operate in is restrictive. And then that system, that system itself was established as kind of an oversight for tribes, you know, mm-hmm. a belief that, you know, the when the treaty rations came in, you know, that there had to be an Indian agent there to manage it, or there had to be, you know, someone from the federal government to say, oh, wait, this is how it's going to be distributed. This is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that notion trickled itself down into these federal institutions, you know, where, you know, we want to do this, we want to do that. And the Fed say, no, you can't do that. We know we wrote the systems. We want to mm-hmm. keep you guys in line with how we think things should be done. And the argument has always been from tribal leaders and from community members is that to meet the needs of our people, we need people who understand the environment they live in. We need people who understand what they've been through because the people know what's best. The people know what they need. But you couldn't really take that guidance from the people of how to allocate these resources under the federal system. But when you look at, you know, just the Oyate Health Center, for example, you know, we want more behavioral health. Okay, all right, you know, you've been wanting behavioral health for 25 years. We've been on an expansion of it. 18 months, the health force said we're going to go from three providers to 18 providers. Well, there's no funding for it. The feds haven't given enough funding. Okay, we're going to go pursue grants. You know, we can respond in 18 months. You know, we can do this, we can do that. And it's all about, you know, showing that our people can do it. You know, and, and you know, when the Oyate Health Center succeeds, you know, and, and when it really grows into this vision of, of tribal-centric, culturally appropriate, culturally responsive healthcare, created, driven by, inspired by our people, you know, the notion that we couldn't do it or, you know, the belief that we shouldn't do it or that the feds can do it better, that's all going to be wiped away. And, you know, and what's the next step? You know, what do the tribes do after that? Where do they take control of their resources? And, 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 you know, that's the exciting part. And, you know, and with the show, we're going to tell that story. That, that's the goal. Yeah, so it's not in a sense, you know, the 638 isn't something that's taking away our treaty rights or abolishing our sovereignty, but more promoting self-governance. Is that, is that kind of how? For sure. You know, and, and I was, you know, when this was first starting to happen, you know, I was of the, that same belief. You know, I believed that, you know, the federal government, you know, through treaty, owes us certain things. And, you know, for whatever reason, I couldn't separate, you know, that they owed us these resources, these promised resources through treaty, that they also had to manage it and deliver it. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't. You know, there, there doesn't need to be, you know, a federal agent sitting there saying, this is how we want you Indians to do things. It doesn't need to be like that. You know, what it should be is that we're promised these resources through treaty know through the trust responsibility allocate it by congress give us what's owed to us and let us decide how to use that right. to best serve our people you know it's, it's not some bureaucrat dc or aberdeen or you know somewhere else saying from afar this is how you should do it no the people know how it should be spent and and you know when we take control of these resources the people have much more say in how that's done you know and 
you look at it, you know, is that more, is that holding the federal government even more truer to their treaty responsibilities and their trust responsibilities? I think so, mm-hmm. you know, because it takes away their oversight. It takes away their control and puts that control in the hands of the people and tribal leaders and, you know, individual tribal citizens, our policymakers, you know, the people we know who are from our community who know what they're doing. And, and that's what we're doing here. And I think that's a lot of the, the, the stigma that came along with behavioral health is because we don't want to, you know, walk into somewhere telling our whole life story to someone that doesn't look like us or sound like us. Because, you know, there's a trust thing that needs to be built. And who better to build it than our own people? Absolutely. You know, um, you know I think that in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have Gene Popcorn Tyon come on the show. And he's running our Circles of Care Grant at the behavioral health, you know, he's a longtime Rapsi community member, you know, he's trusted by people up here. He's done a lot of really, really good work, you know, just, you know, elevating and helping people achieve a higher level of wellness. And, you know, that's important, you know, are you going to go and approach some, you know, someone who isn't from your community and tell your life story? Are you going to go and approach this guy who's been through it? And, and, hired people who've been through it and can relate to you. And, and, and that's important. So one of the other things that we're going to be doing with the show, too, is is featuring a, a local mu- musician. Uh, so if you have uh, a talent for singing and you're a musician of any sort of genre, be it traditional, uh, you're a rapper, country music singer, anything like that, if you want to come and share and have some uh, music you want to share, hit us up. And if there's any general questions out there that you have for us, Uh, for the coming shows, reach out to us. Again, my name is Ray Roland. Uh, My email here for the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board is Raylin, my full name. My mama gave me that name. Um, R-A-Y-L-I-N dot Roland. R-O-W-L-A-N-D at G-P-T-C-H-B dot org. And again, we're going to be doing this show weekly. If there's any radio stations out there that want more information as, and how we can bring the show to you guys, again, this is a, a platform for us to get the information out, weekly updates from the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board to the public. So uh, please reach out to us with any other further questions. Um, again, you can go to gptchb.org for more information regarding the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board as well as the Oyate Health Center and all the services they offer there in Rapid City. Uh, Brandon, any closing remarks that you want to um, put out there to the people? No, it just feels good to you know, be back on Keeley Radio, having the, uh, the home audience. You know, haven't been on the show or haven't been on the station in a bit. So, you know, all of you know, can reach out to us at any time. Information, misconceptions you know, crazy rumors that sometimes come up, you know, let us know, we'll, we'll address them, get them straightened out. Um, you know, this is tribal sovereignty in action. And, you know, sometimes it has some growing pain. So let's work together to get through it and, you know, move forward and, and see what we can do on behalf of the people. Absolutely. This has been The Circle. I am Ray Rowland, along with Brandon Ekafee for the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. Keeley Radio, the voice of the Lakota Nation. And we're out.
2018, the Oyate Health Center conducted a community needs assessment to determine the health care wants and needs of the Native American community in Pennington County. Nearly 65% of tribal citizens in Rapid City wish to see an increase in behavioral health services. In the last year, the Health Board and the Oyate Health Center have utilized the full power of 638 contracting to acquire more resources, caseworkers, providers, and even a new location at 725 North La Crosse Street in Rapid City. In all, the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board and the Oyate Health Center secured grants totaling $7 million in funds geared toward the behavioral health expansion. For more information on behavioral health and the programs that we offer, contact the Oyate Health Center Behavioral Health at 605-718-5095 or go to bhr.gptchb.org. That's bhr.gptchb.org. Amidst the COVID-19 outbreak, everyday life has changed and will continue to change for our tribal communities, often with little notice. If you or someone you know is dealing with a crisis or if you just need someone to talk to, our free 24-7 confidential crisis support text line is now available. Text UNKPATI to 741741. That's H-U-N-K-P-A-T-I to 741741. Don't wait until it's too late. Help and support is available 24-7. Brought to you by the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board. So that the people may live.